What is going down, everybody? It is Cooper. This is the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. I thank you personally for making this a part of your podcast rotation. If this happens to be the first time you're checking the show out, thank you so much. High five, hug, bro hug, whatever you're into. Here it is. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast is proudly brought to you by Midwest Meals. Midwestmeals.com, fully cooked, healthy meals, starting at only $6.50, and they ship nationwide. How does it work? Well, magic, obviously. No, you jump on their website, you look over their vast selection of meal options, you can create your own, you can look at proteins and the carb ratio and fats, whatever it is that you need in your diet. You put things in your cart, you check out before the end of the day on Friday, and they will ship it that following Monday. You get it delivered, you pop it in the microwave, and you enjoy fully cooked, healthy meals in a matter of minutes. It's that simple. Check out MidwestMeals.com, and I'll tell you what, if you are a first-time customer of Midwest Meals, use the promo code COOPER at checkout. We're going to get you 10% off that initial order. Promo code COOPER, MidwestMeals.com. Hashtag MidwestFitFam. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast is also brought to you by Violent Gentleman Hockey Club. If you're looking for some new gear for the upcoming hockey season or just maybe to represent your attitude, ViolentGentleman.com. Check out everything that they have from t-shirts to hoodies to hats to their women's line. Trust me, you'll appreciate this little nod of information. ViolentGentleman.com. Promo code COOPERVILLE15 and get 15% off your initial order at ViolentGentleman.com. And the podcast brought to you by my friends over at Monster Energy. We had some tornadoes in our area recently, and a ton, like hundreds of volunteers, dropped everything that they were doing to go out and assist with recovery, to assist with cleanup efforts, you know, taking trees off of people's houses and off power lines. It was an amazing sight to see. All these people taking a day off of work or taking a couple days off of work or a week off of work to go and do their part to help out their friends and neighbors. And people they didn't even know. So the small token that we could do is we loaded up a bunch of cases of Monster, threw them on ice, took them out to all the volunteers, and left some coolers out there. So as they needed that little uh, afternoon help me, because they've been working for some people over a 24-hour period, volunteer firefighters working for over a day out there, we were able to fuel them a little bit with some Monster. Hashtag Monster Podcast if you're on the socials. I am so excited for you to hear this episode of the podcast. George Dukas, country artist, songwriter, genuinely awesome human being. Our conversation covers a whole bunch of topics, including his musical career, his songwriting, and also obstacles that get in the way and how to overcome. Now, this podcast has become about motivation and inspiration and hearing people's stories of overcoming those trying times. A lot of that finds its way into this podcast with Mr. George Dukas. That episode starts right now. Welcome to Cooperville. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe, get updates, feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. George Dukas, my guest. How are you doing, sir? Cooper, doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, I am so ecstatic to have you on. And we and, and I'll I'll just get this out of the way. Like George and I had like a good 15-minute conversation before this recording actually started. <laughs> and um I mean, we'll, we're going to save some of that for our own uh, confidential banter back and forth. 
But um, but we'll re- we'll recircle on. Yeah, some of it we'll keep for you know back of the brain. But it's um it is so good to I think have somebody who understands uh, not just the music industry because I think there's there's a lot of uh, directions that the industry has gone and a lot of it that you had a chance to be a part of and kind of witness and the trajectory of where not just country music is today but the industry and where people are finding their music and the cool thing that kind of ties this all into Bo is the reason that I reached out to George and and I 94 when the album came out like you know I I was a fan and I had posted some things on on Instagram and every once in a while you know because I need that shot of dopamine in my brain otherwise I feel like I'm incomplete I'm like I wonder who's checking out my you know my story feed and here's George Dukas's name pops up and I'm like that can't be the George that can't be lipstick promises teardrops George Dukas and sure as shit it was and so I you know and at that point like I went through like a uh, jumped on to uh, to Amazon Music or jumped on to Spotify and I was just you know turning on some tunes and I was like yeah I haven't, I haven't man I haven't heard this song in, in forever and then gosh he's got some new music out and then I started following you and sent you a message like dude like we should have a conversation sometime about uh, yeah, absolutely about life and 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 tada here he is on the podcast thank you man and here we are no man thank you I'm honored I'm honored honestly honored to be here and. Uh, yeah, it was so cool. I mean, that's the cool thing about social media. Right. You know, it reconnects people or connects people in, in, for the first time mm-hmm. uh, in, in ways that just never would have transpired. Just never would have. I mean, I would have been, I would have been a sort of a, a, a small piece of fabric in your, in your, in your life, perhaps from, you know, um, a decade, two decades ago, or whatever it is, you right. know, whatever, the, you know, and, and all of a sudden people have a chance to connect. So that is a positive people talk a lot about the negative aspects of social media and there certainly are, you know, many, but, uh, but that's a, that's a really positive one. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, we somehow I stumbled on your story, you know, I mean, you get, you get song ideas. Mm -hmm. I'm a songwriter first, probably in a a performing artist. I'd like to think they're 50, 50, they go hand in hand for me, but, um, I get song ideas from everywhere. So I do, I check out Instagram stories quite a bit and just, kind of scroll through and they, you know, you go down the rabbit hole kind of like YouTube mm. and I found, and I found you and you had this podcast and it, was, it seemed really cool. And, and here we are, you know, so it's, it's really an awesome, it's, it's awesome when, when it happens in this way. Yeah. And I think there is, there's so many, you mentioned the negative parts of, of social media and people do fall into those traps. The rabbit hole is something I talk about a lot on this podcast and a lot of the directions that, that, that I go and I talk about things is, is, is conversating with with artists and with with people about you know overcoming challenges and finding inspiration and being motivated and you know kind of fighting fighting the good fight um, and a lot of the times when I talk about social media as part of it people have a this this connotation that you jump on social media and all of a sudden you are just like in this negative headspace and, right. and which can happen which can happen and not, Absolutely. it even doesn't even matter these days who you follow or who you you know uh, you know, who you like and who your friends are. It's just like, Oh wow. These, like, I didn't know my friend had this opinion or like to share these kind of things. Yeah. 
but but if you look at it and and I think this is a good like teaching lesson about utilizing social media is if you have it for a connection to the things that you're really interested in music or uh, podcasts or your friends and family who are on there and there's your, you know my my mom is on social media she lives out in northern california and so she wants to see what you know her you know how is her grandson doing today what is you know what is he looking like um, so if if you can really hone in on the things that you're like i'm going to use this for a positive experience if you're a you know young entrepreneur podcaster a musician i know you do a lot of things on there that you know 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 years ago that it just this was a non-existent thing that you could utilize to to reach out to fans and to, to like you said find song ideas so finding positive ways to use social medias really can make can it make such an improvement on your life and your career or whatever it is that you're into absolutely no question not to mention you know your your causes that mm-hmm. you might be mm-hmm. yeah. you, know, you, can, you can follow your causes on there and those that those that speak to you in your heart and 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 get involved in in a, in a way that you know you couldn't you couldn't do that before as easily. I'm going to take you back to, to growing up. Is there anything more Texas than growing up in Texas city, Texas? I mean, I, I can't think of anything, you know, being like, yeah, like who's ever even heard of that town? Like nobody until I'm like Texas city tech. There's like, that is, you know, screw Dallas and you know, none of this stuff that's around. No, Texas city, Texas. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's tiny. It's tiny. And I, honestly, I didn't, I can't even really say I grew up there, but I was certainly born there. I spent right. the first five years of my life there. It's kind of, you know, it's it's outside of Houston. It's mm-hmm. kind of heading down towards Baytown and Galveston, and you know, uh, Galveston made famous by by the song, of course. Um, and yeah, it's just a it's just a oil refinery town. It's not very pretty, you know, um, that kind of that kind of that kind of existence. But my folks yeah. divorced when I was five, mm-hmm. and and like you my mother moved out to california and she took me and my sister with her and so then i spent the next you know the next several years elementary school years uh, out in out in california before moving back to texas to live with my dad so i kind of bounced bounced back and forth a little bit it's eerily similar um our stories uh my parents divorced when i was three and i i lived with my mother uh, you know we, we stayed around the area uh, for most of my childhood um but i did a lot of transporting with her she you know made a decision i think at a at you know for her the right time to go back to school and kind of pursue you know her dreams and her aspirations and i was along for that ride which moved me around a lot and then you know she ended up out in california my dad ended up um, on the other side of of the state but you know you get to kind of and not to use like hey we're divorced kids because these this day and age it's it's tough to meet somebody who's not from a, you yeah, know, a divorced absolutely. parent family, but you do tend to get to witness a lot more vantage points of life. And I think that can, uh, for you, songwriter, um, you know, when you, you can find probably different tales than those who grew up with that, I don't want to say white picket fence uh, family, but you're like, hey, you know what? Sometimes being a kid sucks. And, yeah. Yeah. and you're able to yeah. kind of draw on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it, you sort of learn to be more versatile in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. I kind of, yeah. I kind of realized that at a fairly young age, it, it, it did teach you how to adapt, mm-hmm. you know, as, as opposed to being from a background where someone who is, I, I want to say blessed with more of a homogenous traditional, you know, family, um, upbringing, 
that, right. you know, that stays together, stays in the same place, you know, and I mean, there's, there's a lot of comfort in that, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a lot of strength that can be had by having to, you know, move around being put in different situations as a kid and, and having to adapt and overcome them and, and integrate. You know, I think in, and and you can agree with this or, or disagree with it, but I think when you, when you have to go through those things, when you learn kind of on the fly to be able to pivot and to be able to adjust and to be able to kind of say, Oh, well today it's like this. And you know, next week it could be like this. When you encounter small smaller challenges not major ones i think we all kind of have uh, can have struggles with but when you encounter kind of small things you're like eh, you know like i can get through this it's not it's not a big change in my uh in, in my upbringing where i can say you know hey at 22 i had to deal with this eh, you know i'll figure it out yeah yeah it's a skill it's an, it's an acquired skill i right. think that comes with you know sort of survival and mm-hmm. and and so that's a good thing that's a, certainly a positive way to look at it uh, music interjecting itself into your life. Uh, it's a conversation I love having with, uh, with artists, um, because it can come from so many different avenues. Uh, you know, the radio always playing, you know, we, we talked about in the, uh, in the open, uh, before the open, I should say, uh, yes. about no, the radio is set on this station and we don't touch it. Um, right. somehow that doesn't fly with my nine year old these days. Like he's got a remote in the back seat of the Jeep, like, nope, changing it. I'm like, how does that That's work? So tr- it's so true. Didn't, yeah. Like my dad ripped the knob off. Yeah, the kids don't even have a knob. They just they just grab <laughs> they just grab your auxiliary cord, and plug, plug it directly into their phone, and then whatever's on their playlist becomes what you listen to. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but for you, where did um, you know how did how did music find its way into uh, you know into your kind of your vision as like oh yeah this is this is something that I I mean music isn't I think everybody's life but as as far as you know eventually becoming an artist where do you remember it first being like oh yeah music this is my this is in my head right. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's getting a little bit foggier, honestly, where it started, but from a, basically as long as I can remember, I mean, maybe starting in say, I want to say like fifth grade, sixth grade, and then somewhere along the line, I think maybe it was a seventh grade essay that where I had to answer a question in class about what I wanted to do with my life. And I don't even remember writing this thing, but I, my mom showed it to me or sent it to me. Hmm. Uh, Years later, um, I have it somewhere. Uh, it's an essay written in pencil, you know, in cursive, which I can't even do anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, talking about how I wanted to record an album and I wanted to m- record music and be in the, in the recording studio. Mm. I, to the, for the life of me, I can't remember having written that, but I wrote it for sure, you know. And, um, so it was just there for me. I, I always wanted to play guitar. It started with wanting to learn how to play guitar. Right. And then quickly, um, I kind of, I took a couple lessons, uh, and, and I got a guitar for Christmas. Um, and I took a couple lessons. It was too hard. I, put it, I gave it up, put it away for a year, came back to it in a year on my own. Still had the old notes of, you know, some basic chord structures. Mm-hmm. Just started relearning it on my own. And then, kind of listening to listening to recordings that were you know that I heard or listening to the radio or listening to you know albums that were in the house my parents record whatever um and and just kind of learning the songs kind of by ear and something that is it's interesting I I I don't even know that I could do that today I mean Mm -hmm. kids are just kids are so good at learning Mm -hmm. you know they're just sponges and uh 
in the same way that today's kids can pick up technology just just second it's just like drop of a hat you know and they're better at them better at it than we are real quickly um back then for me it was it was the instrument and i could teach myself any song and and learn how to play the solo pretty much mm -hmm. if it wasn't too shredding um it, you know some of the rock stuff I, I didn't have an electric yet so you just can't play some of that stuff on the on an acoustic guitar you, you can't do but eddie van halen on the acoustic yeah you're not, you're not gonna not gonna pull off eddie van halen on a yamaha <laughs> so um unless you're really good but uh but so it, it, it just sort of, it, it just was something that I had to do. Like I was just moved to do it. And real soon thereafter, you know, learning a couple songs, mainly, especially the Redheaded Stranger album from Willie Nelson, um, which was very acoustic in nature. Um, and I, I'd like to say is kind of the, uh, I think it's the forefather of the whole country outlaw movement. Mm. Um, or he is, or certainly that album is a big part of it. Uh, I, I started trying to write my own songs and just sort of mimic uh, almost uh, Willie's songs, and and it really just started there and just kept going. You know, just really kind of never stopped. It was on a, it wasn't, uh, it was always on a slow burn. It was always just, it was just always there. Even though I was in school, I had friends, I loved sports, um, but I was always still working away at that you know even you know, all the way junior high high school college everything and um so it just it just was always there for me you know people have uh have a point in their life where they they have and it's not necessarily a fork in the road it's kind of opportunity lays itself before you and there's a very the very scary path like man i mean maybe this is really what i want to do but there's some shit between here and there that I don't know if I can do, and they, they can't necessarily make that, that leap and go down that path. You know, there's kind of right. a, a path of lesser resistance and there, and then there's the easiest path. Like, Oh, this is, For this sure. is easy. This is the comfort zone. Now you go to Vandy and you end up after that in Atlanta, um, which is, right. a, which is a big jump from Texas city, Texas. I'm just saying yeah. it's, <laughs> it's slightly, it's slightly more, uh, metropolin. If yeah, you will. Well, I mean, I had already been exposed to Houston by then. Okay. But, well then, then you're good. But, but yeah, so I mean, I, I was I wasn't shocked by that. I didn't, but I went up really. Um, you know, your twenties is really the age to, you know, mm -hmm. early twenties, late teens, to explore. You know, and to really, if you're going to take those chances, get out of your comfort zone, go trip, take a trip to, you know, if you can muster up the cash, take a trip to Europe, see the world, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you're going to go do, mm -hmm. pursue that career that nobody saw you doing. Um, that's the time to go do it. And I spent one year in Atlanta at a conventional job and just could not bear it. And it was just, 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 it was killing my soul. And, um, and always, even then I would, you know, I'd get off work and the first thing I'd, I, I bought gear, enough gear to be, be able to play solo acoustic gigs. Hmm. And the first thing I'd do is run home, change clothes, get my jeans, t-shirt on and go, I'd be playing in a bar. Uh, until midnight, 1 a.m., whatever, mm -hmm. the next the next morning. And then you have to get up and go to work at 6 a.m. the next morning, you know, and show up and uh, in a suit, you know. So uh, I, knew that I, I, I knew I couldn't keep doing both. There was no right. way. And uh, I just thought, man, I got to do it. I got to do it. So within, within a year, almost to the day of having a conventional job, I packed up everything in the rider truck and moved, moved to Nashville. 
Nashville is, is a beautiful area, and it, one day I will have a home there. Um, I decided I think come, it's, come join me. Well, we'll we'll have plenty to talk about. We'll have plenty to d- discuss. Oh, no question about we it. We're gonna, we're gonna I, be all right. I have a feeling we would be uh, we we would be we would be getting along and seeing each other quite often. It would be okay, but there's to make that that move, um, and especially at that time, you know, growing up listening to country and and not obviously not following it because I was still in a that teen tween mid uh, mid teens that that kind of that juncture in your life where uh, you know some experts have said that's when the influential music the songs that define you know that you flash back and you go yeah my first car you know for me which yeah. by the by the way not to like sound totally redneck my first car was a truck so just so everybody knows to get that <laughs> shit out there before anybody starts being judgy um yeah, yeah. it was no like it was like a gmc s15 it was like the the cheap brother of the s10 uh, yeah, yeah, sweet. But hey, gotta start somewhere. That was a huge influx in into Nashville. Uh, you know, in that that kind of late '80s, early '90s, uh, yes, that time frame. You know, a lot of artists wanted to go out there. And what's that scene like when you arrive and you kind of start to figure out where you're going, who you need to meet, what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. exciting, man. Mm-hmm. It was scary and exciting all at the same time. And uh, the best thing I can say about it for me was was my mindset. Um, you know, when you're young, you almost I literally thought I literally thought I was invincible. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I mean, uh, not in a super cocky way, but a confident way. And to the point where I was even like, oh, I'm not going to die. Like, <laughs> I mean, by the time I'm 70 or 80, they're going to have a cure for that. You know, it's like <laughs> I'm not going to have to worry about it. So, I mean, it was literally like that. I mean, it was, it was, I'm not even kidding. And, um, it was an exciting time to be in Nashville because there was so much happening. There was a lot of really good music and it was, it was country, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody bashes on the people that bash about or, or, or lament that country's not country anymore. And, you know, perhaps they have a, good reason to say that that you know these things are always changing mm-hmm. uh, it's like fashion or the length of women's skirts they go up and down right i mean just over time uh skirts are better up than down in my opinion but um <laughs> agreed but but you know honestly it, it it does change over time but it was a time when it was really country it, it, there was some edge to it uh and there was also the other stuff too the more middle of the road stuff certainly mm-hmm. i mean the the Bellamy's, you know, but it, even right. that was country or whatever. I mean, the Bellamy's were pre, that predates my move to Nashville, certainly. Um, but I don't even know why I threw that out there. But, you know, stuff like Steve Earle uh, or, or, or the, the Dwight Yoakam records, right. you know, mm-hmm. um, that those really spoke to me as a kid. So did Stevie Ray Vaughan, which isn't really country, but it, it is country. Yeah. When you just a, country is blues at its core, um, or, or at least historically speaking it's kind of the white man's blues you know um so i mean when you listen to those old hank williams senior recordings it's it's pretty raw you know and it's it's very basic and and in the same way that blues is a very basic structure um so anyway it was just an exciting time to be here even the even the neo whatever they called it neo traditional stuff that was coming out garth if you Mm -hmm. put him in that category Clint Black, um, all those guys, those were kind of 
you know, those guys were all happening when I moved here. And, um, you know, those were influential for me. I mean, I would get out and play every Friday night. The good thing about my can-do ab- attitude was that I was not going to go work a conventional job because I was just coming from one. I was like, I am going to make my living at music somehow. And it, without even the somehow, it's just like, I'm going to do it. Right. You know? um, and so every Friday night I'd play in a bar, just the same bar every Friday, and I'd got paid a dollar at the door. And... Um, and however many people showed up, that's what I made. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the bar itself wasn't paying me anything, but the bar owner was there at the door and he would collect the dollar covers and I'd walk out of there. Man, by the time I signed a record deal, which I, which Capitol Records came to see me at that place, play by myself, just me and a guitar, and that's where the deal happened. Um, I was walking out with three, four hundred dollars a night in ones you know, kind of like a stripper. I was going to say. And, uh, and honestly, but that's all I needed like, yeah. for the week. Like, I was good. I mean, mm. I was totally good. I mean, I, not even a sweat, you know. And um, so, and I was playing back to our, our our discussion of, you know, what artists were happening at the time. I mean, I, w- I would play a Clint Black song or a Dwight Yoakam song or something like along those lines and, and start to gradually mix in the songs I had written mm. or was writing. Um, some of which, sure enough, were part of my first album that was released on Capitol. So uh, it was it was a great way to do it because I was honing my skill, uh, learning how to interact with an audience, be a performer, and um, and getting to showcase my new songs as as I sometimes had written that day, and I would bring the lyrics with me and have somebody in the crowd hold them up so I could because I didn't quite have them memorized, you know, and and honestly it couldn't have been more efficient and, and more enjoyable. It was, it was a fascinating time. You know, you mentioned mindset in there, and I think that's a, a glaringly obvious thing that, that is missing from a lot of people's vernacular is the can'ts and the cans and the I wills and the I would like tos. They creep in and they start fighting you. But I think you, when you mention, no, I'm, I'm here to make it music and this is what I am going to do. And you know, right. going in there with that, uh, I don't call it a can do attitude, but it's no, I, I will attitude. And, yeah. you know, I think people need to have that, you know, if, if, if they're driven enough to go and try to pursue something, obviously taking the, the giant leap of, all right, Nashville, here I come, you know, hell or high water, we're, we're, we're moving, we're going to kind of figure it out on the fly to, no, I'm, I'm here for a purpose. And my purpose is, you know, obviously to, uh, you know, at that juncture, get a record label in there, get them into the building and let them hear your stuff and then and then ink the deal. You know, that first record comes out. What's the ride like for you? You know, there are a couple of amazing songs on there. I was I couldn't I couldn't remember. I was I was having a flashback, which which sounds more tragic than it really was. Um, but I used to spend a lot. It, it wasn't that bad, but I was having a, a trying to remember uh, if if. TNN was still on the air back then, or if I, if, if CMT had started yet, or if it was, if it was, if oh, TNN, yeah. they were all, they were all going. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's probably like nineties, 95 or so. so yeah. And then did a big piece on me, um, which we shot out at a, a, a place called steeplechase, which is a place where they have horse races hmm. here, here, um, in town once a year. Um, did a big, a big, uh, like life piece on me and then uh, all my videos were were on on cmt and lipstick promises of course which was the biggest hit on that first album um 
was it was number one on CMT, and um, but you shot a video for every single song back then, wow. and they actually played videos back then. You know? <laughs> um, they weren't playing old Dukes of Hazard reruns or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there was a, there was a reason, you know, to do that. Um, um, so yeah, it was a it, yeah, it was all over the television, mm. and it was exciting, man. I, I, it was a very fast paced time period because uh i went from playing that little bar um to my very first show as a national act um well went to doing a full-on radio tour mm-hmm. and it's on probably every radio station across the country uh several months of that uh just you know to deliver the album or the single which the first thing was actually a song called teardrops yep. which was also the charting uh song um, on Billboard, but I went from playing that little bar to doing the radio tour, and then my first show was opening up for my first several shows, a uh, number of them, w- was opening up for Alan Jackson at the amphitheater out in Dallas, uh, uh, back in Texas, for I don't know, I don't know how many people, maybe 60, 50,000, something crazy. So I had friends showing up that I had, you know, guest list passes for, and they were like, dude, are you, hey, what, what's going on? I mean, they were just like freaking out. They were freaking out for me, you know, and I wasn't really, I don't rem- I was nervous, but I wasn't, I don't remember being, they were like, are you going to throw up? <laughs> and I was like, no, man, I'm going to do what I do. You know? And uh, it was, it was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, it was truly pretty amazing. You know, did you have a, a moment there, especially going, like you mentioned, in that fast of a pace of, <clears throat> playing the bar on Friday night to fast forward 60,000 people, you know, in an arena, uh, you know, the songs are charting, the mu- you're shooting music videos. Do you go, did you get to a point mentally and you're like, Oh yeah, I made it now. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, again, I, 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 as I said before, I wasn't, I'd like to believe I wasn't cocky, but I was very confident. Hmm. I was like, well, this is easy. What's next? I think I'll go maybe what Hollywood, go to the <laughs> movies, maybe. I mean, I was, I mean, I just expected it. I mean, yeah. honestly, I think that's part of mindset too. Is you know, yeah, we all have those days or moments at least um, where we have to combat the negative. And uh, but honestly, in my opinion, not, back then mm-hmm. it wasn't happening fast enough. I was like, yeah, about damn time, you yeah. know. And I think that's part of your mindset has to be part of your mindset too. Like I'm going to do this. This is going to, it may not unfold exactly the way I see it unfolding, but it's going to happen and I'm going to make it happen. And you know, that's all part of that positive can do, you know, mental attitude as well. Um, and I think again, going back to our decision, you know, our, our discussion about the decision to go do something that you really feel driven to do, Mm. um, as opposed to taking that that uh, attitude of, well, man, if only I could, if only somebody would help me with, you know, those things. Just deciding that you're going to do it and going and, and doing it and, and mapping it out and making it, again, it's not going to map out exactly the way you see it, or maybe you don't even know the exact, but to t- start taking the steps that you know you have to take to to go you know, begin to, um, to go down that road and, and, and get to, I want to say the end of the road, but that's not quite right. Cause it's always, a, it's always right. a journey, not a destination. 
but to, to begin to make it happen, whatever that it is. Yeah, I talk about the uh, the finish line a lot in in this podcast, especially more uh, of, of recently when um, when you when you set your mind to to move forward and to pursue something, pursue an avenue, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your health and fitness, whether it's I'm going to be a better this. Health and, and health and fitness is a good one. Yeah, you know, a lot on the sideline and say, man, I wish I could get down to 12%, 15% body fat or 13 or whatever the number is, or, or I wish I could lose 10 pounds mm-hmm. or, you know, 15 pounds or 50 pounds or whatever. Well, you guess what? You really, you can, yeah. you know, do your research. I mean, and then, and then figure out your body and, and go, go achieve it because you can do it. Yeah. You're just going to, ouch, you know? Yeah. So, that's, that's a, that's a huge, uh, a huge thing is, is finding out what that, first goal is you know what is your first goal if you're if you're if you're if your goal i want to say overall but i want to be at you know this weight or i want to live in nashville i mean you notice when i said i said when i have a home in nashville that's because i'm going to have a home in nashville it's mindset but when you absolutely when you set a a a personal goal what and we'll use health and fitness as a great example i think you you set that goal and then you have all these mini goals that get you up day to day. Like today, I'm not going to have a bag of chips, you know, a full bag of chips when I sit on the couch and watch TV. And tomorrow, guess what? I'm not going to watch TV. And the next day, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk after I eat dinner. You know, you start building on these things. And I think when you, there is never an ending though. Even when you get to that 12% body fat or you want to be at, you know, XYZ weight or you want to fit into XYZ size or you want to have a career that's going in this direction, whether it's into music or whether it's starting your own business and leaving the corporate world, you know, you have to have this constantly ongoing, whatever happens, I'm just going to keep moving the line forward um, mentality. Otherwise you do end up hitting in some traps and you go, okay, well, I guess that didn't work. And then you quit. And then, then the story comes to an end. Right. Right. Absolutely. That's right. I mean, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's 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 really fascinating though how how much mindset can play into mm-hmm. even day to day. Yeah, you know, what you're able to accomplish, and uh, I think we're all capable of doing more. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think we underestimate ourselves. When you uh, you roll off that success of that first record and and you go into album number two, um, and and obviously you've You've gone, I want to, you know, zero to sixty, uh, you know, zero to one twenty in a in a very short period of time in a time frame, um, in in Nashville, when it was just gangbusters. I mean, it was there was artists flying out of of everywhere, and you know, and not that they standardized the look, but there was a little bit of that. You know, I think everybody kind of had a. Well, here is what's working, and we're going to kind of get you to maybe oh, yeah. look a little there more a this way. Um, For sure. You know, and, and, and I wanna, I'll get into a, the, the, my, one of my all-time favorite artists, Gary Allen, who since the first album, which I know you had, had some work on, um, right. the, the whole hat thing, and I'm not wearing a hat anymore. And it's just, I mean, I, that's my, that's my kind of attitude. Um, but I think, and now he kind of does both. Right? Yeah, now he's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm not sure that dude ever has a bad hair day, though. That's kind of how I am, actually. Yeah. Plus, he's got the receding hairline, so I guess he wants to maybe. Pick his, <laughs> pick his spot. You know, I don't know. 
Hey, I mean, like, that's cool. I think that's cool. Like, who cares? Uh, yeah, he can I, fit it into whatever, you know, whatever jacket he's going out in. He's like, eh, gold lame. I'm not really sure what's going to, you know, what, what matches, yeah. you know. The hat better with it or better without it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, I, 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 I'm very much in that same boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been, even in the course of my live show, I'll have it on and have it off. I mean, it's uh, it's something that I love. I do love my hat, but I'm but no one ever told me to wear it. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> to me, it's more of a statement of of where my musical uh, inspirations come from Absolutely. or came from, and so it, it, it and it is a part of my DNA, my mm-hmm. musical DNA at least. Uh, I don't pretend to be or profess to be a cowboy uh, but I do there I do I do you know I do hold that romantic kind of uh, vision of mm-hmm. the west and country music at its best mm-hmm. uh, I do I do hold them in high esteem and high regard so I guess the hat is, is a part of that you know and um, and for me it's a it's a part of my stage persona to a degree but I also toss it off mid show and, and play some songs that are, uh, you know, probably either more my songwriter stuff, the hits I've written for other artists, mm-hmm. whether it's Sarah Evans or as you mentioned, Gary Allen or, um, uh, Eli Young band or whoever the heck it is. Uh, I've been fortunate and blessed as a songwriter to have songs on a lot of, uh, that were hits on, uh, and part of the careers of a lot of other artists. And, so maybe I throw it off during that during that segment, mm-hmm. and uh, or or during some of my newer songs that have a bit more edge to them, or a bit more rock and roll to them, a little more contemporary, um, you know. And and it's just uh, I I feel comfortable in both skins. Right. And I think there's there's an outlaw factor to it too, and and I think there's uh, for sure the hats in some of today's country. I wouldn't classify as an outlaw look no i I, it's a fashion statement you know it's it's less of an attitude it's less of a there there's an attitude i think that that the hat represents um and i think that it it all depends also on the person whose head is inside of that hat (laughs) it does There's a lot of tip. You see all that tiptoeing I just did there. Just do 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 do. You did it. You did it very well. Did it very well. Well, yeah. No, I was just saying it's all up to it's all up to everyone's interpretation. Right. Both both the people wearing the hat or not, and the people observing it. So, you know, it's it's all good. How much how much pressure was on you for for that follow up album after the success of the first one and you know the rise of country in in that time and age? How did I mean? Did you feel it? Was there a you know? Did you feel rushed? What was what was kind of the vibe? Yeah, I felt rushed, but I was also writing songs while out on the road, you know, touring for the first album, but certainly rushed. Yeah, for sure. You have your whole life. You know, it's an old adage. You have your whole whole life to prepare to to create your first record, and you have about a year to create your second, if that. So. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it's the only time I've recorded a couple of outside songs. So, uh, while I love the songs, um, you know, the fact that I recorded a couple outside songs just goes to show you that, you know, I, I didn't have the songs quite ready. Right. So I, I think I wrote eight of the 10 or nine of the 11 or whatever it is on, on the second album, which is called where I stand. Mm-hmm. 
still really proud of that record. It did get a little heavy, in my opinion, back in, in retrospect, which hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, the main thing that changed between my first album and my second was was the label itself. I mean, right. the, all the folks who really supported me and uh, um, were really behind me, I was kind of one of their guys, you know, were, were gone by then. Um, so the whole label had changed in terms of the executive leadership, like it had completely changed, not if not once, but twice. And in fact, by the time the record was out, uh, I was on my third record label president. Wow. So it was a really tumultuous time. Um, but, you know, I, I, I want to say they still tried, but, you know, we were affected. Certainly the success of the record uh, at radio was, was definitely affected by it. Uh, I was flattered at the time that, uh, the first single off that album was called Every Time She Passes yep. By, which I still play uh, on occasion. I'll be, I played two shows this past weekend in Illinois and Michigan and kicked off the the whole show with that song. And, you know, it's an up-tempo, it's fun, and so people that don't know it uh, still enjoy it. Mm. And people that do know it are like, oh, cool, yeah. You know, so, I mean, the people that are really fans know that song. So, um, but it doesn't give away all my cards and I'm, I'm not playing lips to promises right at the right at the get-go so, <laughs> right uh, so uh you know i was flattered by the fact that they put that single out and then it didn't go anywhere um i remember garth putting out a single ch- changing his schedule and putting out a single that very same week when that wasn't supposed to happen because mm-hmm. of course if the label's asking radio to add garth and then they're, they're asking radio to add george dukas well i mean and there's only a spot for one ad that week at right. that station well garth's going to get the ad obviously so you know the, the 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 single didn't do well well they put it out again like three or four months later and said hey they actually put a ad in whatever the trade radio trade industry magazine was saying we screwed basically it said we screwed up here it is again and mm-hmm. so we did start it all over well it didn't work but i appreciated the effort mm-hmm. um i mean i think the song charted at what a 50 or something um so, you know, it, it was a disappointment, but, uh, you know, it was kind of a harbinger of things to come with that album. I think, I think we did put out another single, a song called Long Trail of Tears, which is a really cool track, um, a little bit more beatly in nature, mm-hmm. um, which is a credit to mainly to my then producer, Richard Bennett. Uh, Richard's a fantastic guitar player. He also uh, produced all of the Steve Earle uh, or played guitar and co-produced all of the Steve Earle stuff, Guitar mm-hmm. Town, the Guitar Town album, wow. all that really cool stuff. Um, Hillbilly Highway, all, all the songs that you associate with the early Steve yeah. Earle uh, fame. Um, as well, he's produced Emmylou Harris and some other some other acts, Marty Stewart, um, that I really, really think highly of. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, he's a, he's a big Beatle head, whereas I'm more of a Stones guy uh, in the rock world. Um, but but we melded well together because of that, I think. And so long trail of tears was a song that didn't, again, didn't, didn't, wasn't a hit hit. It did chart. Um, but, uh, it was, you know, kind of that harbinger of things to come. So the album didn't really, you know, get massive exposure. Um, and soon after then we agreed to part ways and just kind of let it go. And I, I didn't really pursue another record deal immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kind of, I kind of was expecting one to just sort of fall in my lap. Um, figuring that Nashville would say, man, they screwed up. Let's go, let's go do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And then I started writing songs, almost as if to prepare for that. Uh, and uh, man, this town just moves on. You know, it just kind of keeps moving. And if you don't really let it be known, which I didn't, uh, I was pretty prideful, which pride can get in the way of a lot of things. Right. You know, but I was uh, there. I was writing songs for uh, what might be the next record, and um, started to have some hits as a songwriter. And around that same time. Oddly enough, I, I, I had uh, we had two kids, hmm. and man, it just became kind of the perfect time to be a dad. And uh, and I was having enough success in the songwriting world. I had had you know a bunch of a bunch of songs that became integral parts of other uh, artists' careers. Um, it seemed natural to stick around and and you know become a father. And I really hmm. enjoyed that process. And you never get those years back, right? Or once those once your once your kids grow up, man, they're they're gone and off doing their own thing, and that and that's what you want. Mm. You want them to go go pursue life at a hundred hundred miles an hour, and uh, maybe not that recklessly, but, but <laughs> maybe not like we did it, but still. Yeah, but you certainly uh, look forward to the day when when they're independent. Mm. And um, anyway, so you know there was about a, a six or eight, ten maybe even probably eight year period where I was just writing songs and. Uh, had a couple different pub, went through a couple different publishing deals, um, and uh, it was a it was a really fascinating time too. You know, I was still in the studio, but I wasn't really making records, uh, and I was creating. You know, certainly in more of a creative mode, mm-hmm. um, which is also really rewarding. I mean, there's nothing really nothing, even playing a great show. There's, there's nothing quite like uh, writing a really good song. That day is a good day when you when you write one, then you know just you just know you nailed it, like you you executed the idea that you were going for, and and it became something as good or even perhaps better than what you envisioned when you started that song. So it it was a it was a fascinating time as well. Uh, it wasn't without its hardships, you know. I I, re, I I did realize as time went on, I missed the road. I missed making records. I missed interacting with not just industry radio but the fans and I missed, you know, smelling the smell of amplifiers heating up right. pre and like, and letting those songs out, living, letting them live and breathe every night and, and being a band on the road. You know, there's nothing that replaces that either. So, uh, in the same way that there's nothing that replaces writing a great song, you know, mm-hmm. just in your living room or wherever you are, um, hotel room or whatever. Um, so, um, as time wore on, I, I really realized that I, I did miss that. And that in, a, in essence, also, I, I realized that part of my drive to write songs is to be able to get out and record them and, and then sing them live and get out with a band and do the whole thing. And uh, so I got back to it um, initially in Texas only uh, in about 2010, 2011, something like that, and had a couple, couple hits on Texas radio. Um, with a little six-song EP that I had put out. It wasn't even a full album. Um, it was just something I toured with and sold after shows and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, and one of those songs that was on that little project, which is not even available anymore anywhere, because I, I took that little project and made it part of a, uh, of a, of a larger full album mm-hmm. uh, and re-recorded, either re-recorded them or remixed them, remastered them. Um, and that album is called 4340, which is available every, on all the digital platforms and, and on my website and, and CD hard copy. And so one of the songs on that six song EP was, was a song called always the love songs. And, um, you know, sure enough, it wound up on, on a bus of a little 
little band uh, out of Denton, Texas, down there that was still looking for their first uh, their first radio song mm-hmm. on their first album, and that 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 little band happened to be Eli Young Band. So um, so I got to get to know those guys pretty well, and of course they uh, being from Texas, you know, we shared some things in common, and that song was their kind of kind of the song that put them on the roadmap. Mm-hmm. Um, so some really good things came out of that little six song, um, you know, project that, that kind of set me back out on the road. Mm. And from there, I, I, I kind of pulled that project. Uh, well, it got me, got me back out on the road, but I've kind of pulled it and turned it in, you know, wrote a few more songs and turned it into a, to a full length album. And, um, of course released digitally, but album as well, uh, or CD as well, whatever you want to call it these days. And that, that album was 4340, which was released, I guess, 20, 2013 slash 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with that kind of came, you know, kind of became a little bit more of a national focus um, and put out a couple songs on, you know, like the Music Road chart, and both of which uh, were top 40s, um, a song called All Kinds of Crazy, and then another tune called Love Struck, a little bit more contemporary than uh, obviously my earlier uh, efforts on Capitol. Um, but I was really just kind of focused on having fun and, and, you know, not staying in such a narrow, um, um, stylistic approach perhaps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe spread my wings a little bit. It was fun to, to do that again as an artist and, and not to be focused on just writing songs that might wind up on other people's albums. And, uh, not that I ever really focused on that. I always just kind of wrote songs just to write songs, but but it was fun to kind of write songs with the kind of what if I did it kind of mentality again. Um, and then, you know, really has been that ever since. Um, so since that time period and, and now with Yellow Rose Motel, um, you know, coming out, I think it's an even, I really like 4340, but I think Yellow Rose Motel is probably a more expansive approach. Um, but it couldn't have been done without, without creating the record before it. And, and really, the record before it 4340 did you know really kind of give me the freedom to and the confidence to know that i could i can do this on my own now right. you know that i don't really need a label to do it anymore um and it took me to places and my little band from texas uh to places they had never been and certainly places i had never been headline festivals in france um all kinds of stuff so mm-hmm. it was it was really really a fun time we wound up playing Wembley Arena in, in, in the UK and wow. London, um, playing a, as a kind of the middle act for, on a, a big, big Reba McIntyre show, nice. um, which was a blast. I actually shot the video to uh, to one of one of my songs on that album, a song called "Breaking Stuff," which is still one of my favorites. I still close my sh- my show with that song. Um, shot a video there in the UK while we were while we were there. Uh, at soundcheck and at the show and just in and around London. So that was a really cool experience too. Um, but yellow rose motel is definitely a step up. It's, right. it's, it's a broader, you know, broader record, a deeper record. Um, it probably gets back to a little bit more of the, uh, essence of what I am, you know, a little bit more of the roots, um, stuff, but it's still really expansive and, uh, I'm, I'm super proud of it. I mean, I had a, a lot of time to write it, Again, time is critical, you know, going back to our, yeah. <laughs> our thought of you have one year to write your, or you have your whole life to write your first record. You have one year to write your second, you know, that whole rush that, that major labels tend to tend to 
timeline that they tend to put you on. Well, I don't have that now. I, I make a record when I'm ready to make a record. And, um, and Yellow Rose Motel was definitely a better record because of that. You know, I had a couple years to write it, um, got into the studio when I could, bits and pieces here and there. And um, it's just super proud of it. The, the first uh, single, or what they now call focus track, if you're not really at radio, um, is a song called Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a love song, but it's a love song using sort of an iconic American hero type character um clint eastwood um as as a backdrop and uh the video actually was number one on cmt for three weeks so that was a super cool achievement uh to be back on cmt again and to see the single do do so well um especially as an indie artist and so uh now the second the second video is a song called unlove you um which we hope is gonna it's on cmt.com now but we hope it'll be uh on, on their network channels soon as well. Now you've had a chance, uh, and I, I want to dive more into uh, Yellow Rose Motel and kind of the, the, the whole essence of it and the way that it was released and, and, and how it's being released. But you've, sure. you've had a chance to um, obviously go through uh, how the music industry used to operate, you know, in the capital days. You know, I think that's uh, that transcends genres, I think, just how, how it was and, and being on a label, you know, record cycles. And, you, and we sure. talked about the, you have a year, here's your box. And then, you know, then it's tour after the album and then it's out back in the studio. Um, and there's still, I think there's still a lot of that going on. I know there's a lot going on in, in the rock genre where um, seemingly the bands that have been put on the pedestal are are in that that mode. They are in... We do, t- you know, tour here, tour here. Next year we'll be overseas. Album tour here, tour here. We'll be, you know, we'll, we'll do the states run. Um, but yeah. now it seems like, and, and this was, you know, it, it all kind of interjects itself back into kind of how you and I connected. Is this? Not, you use 2019 as kind of where we are now, but the last five, six, seven, eight years, the the rules are starting to change. The game is is adjusting a little bit. You can't. Labels are less, in in my from my radio perspective. There was a lot of buying your way to the top. From oh, what, what absolutely. I saw. Um, there was a lot of, well, there still is. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. There's, there's 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 money flowing around. I'll tell you what, George. Ain't nobody ever sent a check my way because uh, you know I my computer wouldn't crash if uh, if I was still collecting you know <laughs> checks from the labels. But yours and mine both, man. I'm like I'm on a 2011 laptop. Sometimes so. you just gotta you gotta get one of those little air dust cans and blow the shit off of it, then it's fine. <laughs> but but now there are so many different ways for an artist to get music out, not only to their fan base, but to have it expand beyond where it would be confined to if it was just released by a label. You can get it to fans overseas. You can get it I mean, it's a global thing. You know, this you know, this podcast I look at the same way. This is heard. I have a fan in Russia. Thank you. Vlad or what, you know, whatever your name happens to be, who loves listening to the, to the show. That's fantastic. But yeah. there's so many avenues now, and there's so many ways for artists to connect and not just connect with their fans, with their music. But if you wanted to go and on your own time schedule and on your band's time schedule and on, you know, producers time schedules, put a single together, like you don't have to wait. Like there's not a, there's not a period of time where you have to say, I'm holding on to this, you know, this gem of a song until yeah. 
my album comes out and we have a big, you know, what's release day is what? Is it Friday now? I think release day is on Friday now. I, I don't, yeah, I can't I remember. Think so, yeah. But, and then you get to unleash it to the world, like, oh, here it is. And, you know, now if you wanted, it, even if you're just like toying with something, you can show your fans, like, you know, I'm kind of picking on this little, you know, this little ditty here. And there's so many avenues that with even the music outlet, when you have a, a finely tuned, polished song, there's places like Spotify, there's places like Pandora, there's places like Amazon Music, there's places like, there's all these avenues for people to get their music out. And the listeners, that's where they're going because we are living in this on demand. Yeah. I want to hear it now. I don't want to wait for my favorite artist or, you know, somebody in, you know, in a, in a Spotify reference, somebody who would fit into that same genre. You get exposure yeah. to new, you know, from different playlists and stuff. You know, how is this? experience of being an artist in 2019 releasing music you know over the last couple of years is it how much better is it how much worse is it than it was when you know the album came out in 94 um wow it's just so different i yeah. mean you you did a good job of summarizing it there um in uh 94 i guess the album actually came out in 95 yeah. the first single came out in 94 end of 94 teardrops Man, everything was done for you back then, mm -hmm. and and I and, and honestly, I, I don't really know, but I imagine probably a lot of it is done for uh, artists that are on major labels today. Particularly if they're kids, I say kids. I still feel like one, but um, you know, and they don't really know what much about the business. Mm -hmm. And I think labels actually prefer it that way because then they can kind of tell them what to do and right. where to go and when and what to wear and everything. Um, what to sing. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I think it's still done that way in that world, probably to a large extent as the artist gains credibility, they get a little bit more autonomy. Um, and as they have more success, they get more autonomy. Mm -hmm. And then there's the independent artist that has complete autonomy. Um, but what they're lacking is the, uh, the backbone of the marketing team and the dollars, obviously that it takes to mass market a product. Um, but what they do have, as you mentioned, is social media, is all of the distribution platforms, the Spotify's, the Apple Music's, the Pandora's, the YouTube's, mm -hmm. all of those things. There's, that's not to create a misconception that you can just throw it out there and people are going to run to it and find it because right. they won't. It's a crowded marketplace. You have to be smart and calculated about it. You have to have a plan. You have to have people, at least someone on your side, on your team that knows what they're doing and how to do it and how to get it done. Um, there's a whole business created now around playlisting. It's mm -hmm. kind of the new radio where, um, you know, just cause you throw a single out, it's not necessarily going to get added to a bunch of, uh, influential playlists. Right. Um, people base their, their Spotify listening habits or Apple music listening habits on, on playlists of curators that have tons of followers um, if you follow a playlist, then, um, you know, you're going to probably almost automatically download that new playlist when mm -hmm. it comes out the next week. And, and to get on that playlist, th there's a whole business centered around it. There are companies out there now that, uh, it's their job to get, uh, their clients music onto influential playlists. So that's, that's a, a, a integral part of, a, of an independent artists, um, marketing plan because you got it you got to get it you got to create um 
the attention, the awareness of the new music. And, you know, frankly, that's, that's something that we re I really focus on now. Um, I don't really know how it's done, but I know that I, uh, employ a, a group of people that I can call upon, um, and depend upon to get that done. So, um, like I said, it's kind of it's kind of your new radio team, right. uh, and in the absence of a radio effort, it's really your only avenue. Mm -hmm. So it's it's vital. It's it's your lifeline, um, and um, and it's powerful. It can be very powerful. Yellow Rose Motel, uh, and, and we discussed this uh, in our Instagram back and forth. Uh, very unique way to uh, to release an album. It wasn't done in a traditional sense, but we are not living as I think we both touched on. We are not living in traditional times uh, right. much right. anymore. It's, it's a new, a new way of doing things. And what I think the, you know, the really cool thing about this is it, it was so rare and I, I can't, you know, think of one off the top of my head. I mean, if, you know, in the rock world, I, I, you know, I think of like an appetite for destruction album. I think of a, uh, like smash mouth, the smash album, but Love both albums. yeah, I mean, just, like, but those, but those were as those were first song to last song tracks. You know, like you, you, you popped it in whether it was on cassette, whether it was on vinyl, whether it was on, you know, CD when that came out, and it was a, it was a front to back. People had that, that yeah. kind of dedication to say, yeah, GNR. I you know I, I spent the money on the cassette. I popped it in. I just listened to it. And then I flipped it over. I took it out, and I had to flip it over to listen to, you yeah. know, the other side. And yeah. You and know, you did, and you did, and you just, and then you. But it was that good until you wore out the tape, and you had to go. Oh, these new fangled CDs are gonna, you know, revolutionize yeah. the industry. And now in the digital age, and with, with an audience in in all genres that has the attention span of a gnat. I mean, literally, it is. Absolutely. They're here, and you, you better grab them while they're in, you know, your peripheral. Otherwise, they're gonna be gone. That's very true. So to put out a, a 10, 12, you know song album at one time and, and, and try to feed it to people and then it's, it's just not there anymore but yeah. i want i want you to kind of explain how you you know released yellow rose motel because it was i i think it's just it's a really smart way of 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 dosing people with your sound dosing i like it dosing thank you for one for, for for starters um it was a really cool plan um and it was one that I had in the back of my mind for a number of years. I can't take credit for it. I honestly, the first uh, time I ever heard of a record being released this way, which I'll explain in a moment, which you you uh, touched upon, was John Mayer. Hmm. Um, and it was probably about a, eight or ten years ago. He released some album. I can't remember what it was, but I remembered he released it in stages. Um, I'm not. I don't know how large each. Uh, uh, each, um, I'm trying to think of a, what's the word for meal that comes, uh, each course, I don't know how large each course, each course of, of the yeah. meal yeah. was when it came out, but whether it was two songs or four songs or whatever. But, um, I actually, as I was creating the record came upon the, that, uh, I thought again about that concept and I, I wanted to make sure that I had 12 songs on the record because I wanted, I wanted to release the record in terms of volumes mm -hmm. and I wanted each volume to be three songs and I wanted to put out each of those volumes, uh, once every quarter, um, which would mean 12 songs 
I mean, three times four. Right. So uh, I, I'm not good at math, but I did figure <laughs> that out. one we got. So, so that's what we did starting February 1st and we we're still in the process of it. Mm. And it's to your point about the consumer having a shorter attention span these days, ourselves, you and me both included. Yeah. Um, and we all have a shorter attention span. I think it's, uh, it's both a pro and a con of just being on a, on a smartphone all day long. Um, so, uh, really wanted to give people a little bite, a little nibble continuously, consistently throughout the year. Um, if you put all 12 out at once, obviously they blink and they miss it entirely, or they might catch one song, but odds are they're not going to download all of them. And they're certainly not going to become a a fan, you know, a real fan that, that has a deeper understanding of your artistry. Um, and that was important to me. So it also gives you multiple times throughout the year to reconnect with those fans via social media, even direct messaging or whatever, um, to remind them that, Hey, I got a new three songs. Just, just came out. Volume two just came out. Volume three just came out. Mm-hmm. I know you liked volume one cause we talked about it, right. uh, you know, and, and literally touch on them, you know, touch them again and, and let them know there's more and, and then let them know when the next one's coming too. And, you know, and before you know it, you got them, you know, subscribing to your YouTube channel, uh, following you on Spotify, uh, all the things that are critical to creating a fan base or recreating, in my case, a, a fan base or adding to supplementing uh, an existing fan base. Because um, I don't want to uh, alienate my existing fan base, but a lot of those people are, were not, by nature, digital listeners mm-hmm. um, originally. Um, they're still around and, uh, I know all of them, a lot of them by first on a first name basis. Uh, but I knew that I, I needed other listeners as well that were adept at this new, all these new vehicles, um, in the digital world and that would sign on and get excited. And that's just what's happened. So it's been a great, it's been a really great, um, experience. It's, it's a, it's a ground game, man. It's not like, we were talking about football earlier, yeah. uh, off air. It's not, it's not the quick, it's not the beautiful quick strike, deep threat passing game. It's a three yards in a cloud of dust, three yards in a cloud of dust, three yards. Of, you know, it's over and over and you just, you just grind it, man. And, and matriculate the ball down the field, as they say, yeah, you got to get, so, get ahead of the sticks, man. You got to get ahead of the sticks. Can't get behind the sticks. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and I, 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 I'm really pleased with how it's gone. Um, it's never perfect, but um, but we've come a long way. We've come a long way mm-hmm. with this album for sure. And if we're not if when when I do the next album, I'll probably do it the same way, mm-hmm. unless things change. <laughs> you know, we never say never. And I think we've you know even at the beginning of this discussion or somewhere in the middle of this discussion, it's been a long discussion. I mean, just <laughs> we had a break in between. If anybody was wondering, we we took a hiatus. Yeah. Um, but there is. Um, a lot that has gone into uh, to this record, um, you've, the trail that you've kind of gone through. You know, we talked about both coming from divorced parents and, and that instilling kind of a ability to to pivot, to adjust, to kind of be able to get through a lot and not be able to. You know, when you get hit with a challenge, when when something you know, puts itself in front of you, um, it doesn't become a barrier that you can't get through. And um, you know, right. I think. Being able to go from 
you know, the success of the first record into, you know, the time crunch and the, and the pressure of the second to, to finding, kind of finding you, you know, becoming a dad right. and, and, and living, you know, and, and songwriting and just being able to kind of inner, you know, find yourself, you know, at peace with, with what you, what you had going on and then finding like, man, I'm still writing. And I, I really, you know, you love the songs you're writing and they're yours and you kind of get yourself into that, that indie mentality where you have, well, this doesn't sound like traditional this, or this doesn't have, well, who cares? Like, you know, this is, you know, this is what I was feeling. I mean, I was influenced by this a little bit. So you're really able to kind of mold your own, you know, statue. Yeah. Yeah. Your brand. I mean, your own, your own statue. I like it. Um, that's really true. I mean, there's the, there's no boundaries. No. Um, I don't think I'll ever stray too far, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but who knows, you know, and I mean, yellow rose motel, um, for those that are familiar with the record, those that aren't, please look it up. You can find it. But, for those those the, those that uh, have heard it, the, the title track "Yellow Rose Motel," the song, um, I liked it. I, I was passionate about it so much so that I named the album after it. Mm. I also thought it was a really cool name for an album. Yeah. Um, and it's a total departure from where I've been, but in a sense, it's not because I've always loved blues. And as we talked about earlier, I think country music, at its essence, at its core, is the white man's blues. Right. You know. Um, and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of blues in that song, um, and there's also a lot of a lot of Willie Nelson in that song. I mean, uh, as we talked about earlier about Red, the Redheaded Stranger album and how that's one that I kind of cut my teeth on as a kid. I mean, that album is kind of an epic tale in in and of itself. If, if for those that are familiar with it, and for those that aren't, I, I encourage you to listen to it. But uh, but it's it's a it's a, it's an album that's interwoven with songs uh, about this about this character the redheaded stranger and uh and i think yellow rose motel is kind of a sort of epic in that nature too you know it's 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 a tale so mm-hmm. i love that and i i you know it's kind of a a dark tale perhaps but it's it's pretty cool and, I, and a lot of times it's interesting I, I get a whole lot of feedback on that song from even traditional listeners country listeners um that even kids like they're like man that is the coolest song ever like literally they say that and it's super That's awesome cool. to hear because these are kids that are listening to i don't know what kane brown and stuff but yeah. then they hear that and it just blows their mind you know and that's really really um that's really encouraging we will uh, we'll throw the link up to uh, yellow rose motel in the show notes so if you're uh, listening on whatever platform you're listening on just uh, scroll on down you can Link right up to it. Throw up the Spotify link so people can uh, can can hear the singles and, and and kind of follow along with with the path that you're going on. I know during the course of uh, putting this album on, um, you lost your mother, um, but I think there's right. there's some real um, you know in, in reading the story about it and, and you going out to California and having time to just go on drives with her, um, it, and and knowing throughout the course of this podcast, you know we we've talked about. Um, the relationship of moving here and moving there and, you know, being with mom and being with dad. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I know all that goes, but tell me about, you know, her influence, you know, you, you, you mentioned her, I think earlier about kind of being the, the creative, you know, there, there's the artistic creative, you know, part that, you know, had some influence on you. Tell me about, about that and how you kind of carry her along with on, on this journey, because I think it's a really epic one that you're on right now. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, she is, is was and still is 
Um, I'm sure of it. Whatever creativity I have in me, she is, uh, she's at the center of it. You know, there's no question. I mean, she was the poet. Uh, she was a lifelong poet, a teacher, um, taught poetry, taught English as a second language. Uh, she was the, she was really the, um, the light of every room she walked into. Like, I mean, people were just drawn towards her in a way. And people have said that about me, but I, I don't even hold a candle man, to, right. to what, to the kind of energy that she had. Like it was, it was pretty amazing to, to watch both as a kid as, and as an adult, um, even in her last days, you know, it was just amazing to watch other people around her and how they were just drawn towards her, even when she wasn't a hundred percent, you know, she was only maybe even half there towards the end, you know, but still, I mean, she just still had it, you know, she had that it. And, uh, and I think it, it all stems from her heart and it all stemmed from her, her creative, um, her creative ability and just ability to connect with people. And I know that whatever songwriting sense I have, and I don't think it's anywhere close to the, the creative abilities that she had, but whatever I have in me, that's actually the creative part. Cause there's a lot of parts that go into songwriting. I mean, mm -hmm. there's the craft of it, the understanding of how songs are structured. Um, you know, you have to be timely about it. If you're, if you're writing for a commercial market, I mean, let's right. be honest, like you can't write a song that's over three minutes and 40 seconds or so at its most yeah. that, that and expect it to be on radio. It's mm -hmm. just not going to happen. Yellow Rose Motel is a six song, a six minute song. It's not going to be on radio. I knew that when I wrote it, I didn't care. Um, but every other song on the album is pretty much right in that pocket, yeah, you know, because I'm a commercial songwriter. And um, I say that not, with disdain. I mean, I, it's just is what it is, what it is. Like I have a commercial ear anyway, so I never stray too far from that. But, um, except in the case of yellow rose motel, <laughs> but so there, there's a, you know, it's not all creativity that, 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 that makes up the, uh, all of the different components to being a successful songwriter. Certainly it is part of it and whatever part of it it is, I owe that to my mom, you know, the rest of it can all be learned, you know, the craft of it, the, uh, the study of it, uh, you know, and, and the execution of it, learning an instrument, all that stuff can be learned if you have the drive enough to do it. But that creativity, man, that's hard. That's hard to, that's hard to just, you're pretty much born with that. So, um, she certainly had it and she was a big inspiration. And the last days that I spent with her driving around playing her, some of these songs off the new record, um, you know, I'll, I'll never forget them. There's some, That's there's right. some of my last memories with her. So, uh, this, this album, yeah, really, really speaks. It, it, it's always going to have a, that place in my heart. I know, uh, George, you're a very humble man. Um, so I'll, I'll throw the accolades at you and you can just, you know, just <laughs> shake your head. Um, but you've been a part of studio albums that have sold more than 20 million copies. Uh, you have a Grammy nomination. Um, you're doing a very, uh, what I consider innovative, thing uh with with the new record and uh, innovative in the fact that it's um you are entrenched in it you know it's not just hey we're gonna do this we're gonna release you know three songs right. here and four songs here like you're in the trenches you know you're on the social media you're messaging fans you're you know reposting you know things to people's stories you're answering some crazy yeah. asshole from wisconsin's you know request to be on his podcast and you know like <laughs> no man this is an honor like hey like <laughs> right. 
when I, I'm, when I move down to Nashville, George Dukas and I are going to hang out and we are, know, dude. We are. We are. Uh, we are. I'll, gonna, I'll give you, I'll let you know. I'll give you all the ins and outs. We're going to buy stock in uh, Copenhagen mint. Um, <laughs> but you know, of, of all these things, you know, and I think we talked in the, uh, in the interim here and a lot of my podcasts do tend to circle back to this. I think there's some great points here that there is no finish line you know, in, in a career, uh, I think in, a, in, in lifestyles and habits. Um, but the ability that you've, you've shown to adjust and like, like a really fat, like running backs that are under five, seven, you know how right. they, they kind of get underneath the, you know, the offensive line. And then all of a sudden they sneak out the other side and they, yep. you know, pivot. And all of a sudden they're, you know, they're juking left they're juking right. And then they're, you know, they're off to the races. Yeah, you know yeah. that that innate sense, the ability to um, keep going forward, knowing that even though in in football the reference you know, in football there is a goal line, there isn't there's an end to that that play. Um, right. In music, in life, in health, in fitness, in in striving to be a better person, that finish line keeps moving. You know, you reach. You know, you're going to get done. You know, releasing the final tracks from you know this album, and you're probably already putting pen to paper on the next one. Don't lie. Right. We know, you, right. we know you, you songwriters can't stop. It's always there. It's jotting down things. Yeah. But you're it, right. it keeps moving. And the fact that you've been able to not only adjust to, you know, that play, you know, the play call, but also to the way that the industry has, it seems like a long period of time, but in, in the last five years, it has changed incredibly. You know, we talked in the open about radio, uh, in the open before the open about radio and how it's, it's becoming what radio became for the newspaper and what TV is become for radio. And now digital is becoming, you know, for really all things. Uh, it's just, but to be able to not be the guy and there's artists out there, I, there's artists out there that have said, well, I'm not going to, this is not how it's done. I'm not going to do it this way. No, I, I tour. And then I make a record or I maybe don't write the songs, but somebody sends me 10 songs. I cut those songs and we go back out on the road and right. won't interject themselves into fan interaction, which is a huge thing, especially for the indie artist. But you've right. been able to do all these things and continue on. And, and it's just, that was one of the big reasons that I reached out, not just because you responded back, but because like just following along with how this has progressed for you. And right. it's just, you know, it's inspiring. And I think when you look at artists that are coming up that will probably never understand the struggles of, you know, the early nineties or even sure. before that. The transition yeah. from the old school to the new. Right. Yeah. They're gonna go, Oh, I have SoundCloud or I have this avenue. But what they need to do is when you get past that point and you have to deal with the business end of it and you have to deal with obstacles you got to push through them and you got to find a way either through them around them or over under. And you've, you've been able to do that for, uh, for your entire career. And that's, uh, that's, it's huge credit to you and an inspiration for, for not only me, but for, I think artists that are out there, uh, whether it's country rock or anything. I really appreciate that. It's not been without its trying Mm -hmm. its struggles. You know, I've certainly, I've certainly been stonewalled. I mean, I've met up to go back to that football analogy. I've certainly met up with the uh, third and one running up the gut and just getting totally Stonewalled. I Getting mean, flat stopped. out loss of three yards. You know, yeah. I mean, it's happened. It's it'll happen again, probably. Um, you know, and uh, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I 
managed to uh, get to where I am today. Uh, and, and, and inevitably, the artists that you mentioned that are coming up that um, in this new digital age, um, they're going to encounter change as well. Mm-hmm. And they're going to encounter some obstacles too. Um, I mean, unless they're Taylor Swift, uh, who started out with a, a whole lot of um, a whole lot of talent. I'm not gonna not gonna um, you know I'm not, not gonna take away anything from what what she's been able to accomplish. But mm. she started started out with a lot of cards in her favor um, in, in terms of just you know being connected and right. uh, and and having frankly the funds um, you know thanks for instance to her father. Um, to be able to accomplish a whole heck of a lot really fast and, yep. uh, and has never looked back, you know, and kudos to her. Um, I mean, it's, it's an amazing machine to watch, but most artists are not going to have those kinds of assets at their disposal and they're going to encounter, um, unforeseen obstacles yep. and, you know, you got to find a way around them as long as the music becomes the driving force. Or, or, or remains the driving force in your life and creativity is something that you just feel like is a part of your DNA and you got to get out there and do it. Um, and you better feel that way about it. Right. Cause that's the only way that you're going to persevere. You, it has to be something that you have to want to do. And frankly, m- my communication with a lot of people online, um, direct messaging, Instagram, etc. I, I encounter a lot of kids that are really, uh, Fortunately for me, they're they're moved by the music, and they're like, "Man, I want to be famous too. I want to I want to make a record too." You know, right? And I, look, man, it can't come from the "I want to be famous" mindset because mm-hmm. that shit is fleeting. I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you better just want to do it because you want to do it. Yeah, and you can't half-ass it. Yeah, whatever comes from it, besides being able to do it. And hopefully monetize it. Uh, whatever else comes is just kind of icing on the cake. But and enjoy that stuff. But that can't be the motivating factor. It can't. It flat out can't. And I was told that when I was twenty. Um, I didn't believe it. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, success and fame kind of were one of the same thing for me. Um, I'm still don't consider myself really famous per se. Uh, they say, "Are you?" F-? You know, some people are like, "Man, are you?" what does it feel like to be famous? You know, I'm like, man, it's like all relative. I mean, yeah, Yeah. I'm famous maybe compared to you (laughs) or compared to your friends, but you know, am I famous compared to JLo? No, (laughs) not even close, you know? So it's all relative, you know, and you have to just do this because it's a part of who you are. So if you keep it there, then, you know, and you, and you work hard, then, then good things will come. George Ducas, Yellow Rose Motel is the latest album uh, released in a very awesome way. Uh, where can people find you? Not only on, uh, of course, the social medias, but website, all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Website, georgedukas.com. Um, there's everything there from tour dates to merchandise. A um, bunch of new merchandise coming up on there sh- very shortly. We've just received a bunch of it. It's not on the in the store yet, but it'll be up there soon. Um, of course, Instagram, just my name, George Ducas. Um, and it's like George Lucas that wrote Star Wars, except with a D. So uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, it's it's uh, Ducas like Lucas. Um, and uh, Facebook, of course, uh, I have a page there and uh, Twitter. 
really any way and every way you'd want to find anybody online, you could find me, um, including, of course, Apple Music, Spotify, um, Pandora, all of those, all of those guys, YouTube, um, all of those guys. So yeah, awesome. well, I'm, I'm there and, uh, and most likely if, if you get a response from me, it will be from me. That's, uh, that's a promise. George, I, I thank you so much again for the time and the conversation and, uh, absolutely, man. I thank you. No, 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 no need to. And this, this is, you know, what, what I set out to do when I got out of radio is, to have conversations with people and have them tell their story because you've done radio interviews probably, you know, for 20 plus years and it's 15 minutes and you're out, but to have a conversation about, you know, what, what it's really like. Um, that's why, that's why this is here and, and to inspire it people was, to, uh, to keep, it, keep it's going. a really cool vehicle and it's a really cool thing that you're doing. I think it's fantastic. I, I hope that it brings you uh, a bunch of attention and brings your podcast, uh, you know, <clears throat> a widespread following. I really do. It deserves it because your, your, your message is, is unique. Oh, my wife says I'm unique. So I, I mean, it's, it's all tight. <laughs> I think, I think she means that in a nice way. I'm pretty sure that she does. <laughs> but, uh, Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to make a trip, uh, down to Nashville sometime. I'm going to look you up and, uh, we'll get on the hang and, um, let's and do, be fun. let's do it. You have my number now. So I do trouble's brewing. There's no excuses. <laughs> really, you know, you could have called when you were here. Just text me and let me know when you're coming so we can make plans. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for everything. Uh, we'll put all the links uh, for everything that George mentioned uh, about linking up with him on social media and the website in the show notes. So if you do uh, read more than just listen, uh, go and check it out and link up. And uh, and definitely, uh, everybody, go check out the new record, Yellow Most Motel. George Dukas, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you, my man. You as well. Thank you so much to George Dukas for the time and the great conversation on this episode of the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Really appreciate everybody who listens, everybody who tunes in. Want to let you know that we are all over social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. We do a lot of Instagram stuff with our stories and things like that. All you got to do is log on to your Instagram and search Welcome to Cooperville. I think the actual at is at welcome underscore to underscore Cooperville, just to avoid all brevity. So follow us on there, get insight about upcoming guests and fun things that we're doing and insight into uh, my life and the things that I'm doing to continue on this journey of success and health and just being an overall better human being. That's welcome to Cooperville all over your social medias. And of course, sign up for the newsletter at welcometocooperville.com. Hashtag 95% rule.